This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm thrilled to be back in the studio, and we have a really wonderful show for you this evening. Uh, my very special guest, who is calling in from Florida, her name is Dr. Allison Thompson, and uh, Allison is the founder of the Third Wave, and she's also a global humanitarian. Um, who's done just some incredible volunteer work uh, all around the globe. And she's going to be joining me in just a moment. Be sure to stay with us during the breaks to catch our watch team segments, bringing you all kinds of great information around your health, legal issues, technology, leadership, finance, and diversity. And I'm very proud and excited to share with you that next week, uh, in the beginning of December, Dawn Zier, the CEO of Nutrisystem, is going to be coming on board as our new CEO watch. And her work in turning around, excuse me, the national million-dollar company has been amazing to see, and she'll be sharing her secrets uh, with us uh, on the life of a CEO One of my favorite things about this show is always hearing from members of our listening audience. So I encourage you to reach out to me or any member of our watch team by visiting womentowatch.net. And that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So without any further ado, I'd love to welcome to the show Dr. Allison Thompson. Thank you for having me. And I actually have another little guest with me. My little dog is on my lap. Oh, Oliver. (laughs) Oliver. We'll give Oliver a shout out. (laughs) He must be a good dog. He's going to sit quietly, right? (laughs) He fills me up with love. When I go out on missions, everybody wants my love, and I feel like a a toothpaste thing all squeezed out. I come home, and he just fills me up with this unconditional love. So it's a very important part of my life. I bet. And you know what? I I wanted to start off with just kind of a statement, um, my impressions of you. One of the things that I am so incredibly impressed about is um, not only your compassion, uh, which obviously you are uh, full of compassion, but the level of courage and also physicality that it takes to do the work that you've done. And I'm going to be trying my best to get to the root of where all of this um, originated in you. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your years growing up in Australia and a little bit about your upbringing and, and connect the dots between that little girl and the work you're doing today. Okay. Well, I grew up in the bush, in um, in the Sydney bush on the outskirts, and um, ran around in bare feet, and we were in the bush and the river, and I had big brothers, and we would jump off cliffs, and we would run around just doing a lot of activities the whole time, and we did a lot of sports. We would run to soccer, and then uh, hockey, or whatever we were playing. So uh, my, my dad was a preacher, and so we'd 
we'd um, go off to church, but we'd also go off to missions. They did mission missionary work a lot. So we would live in the jungles and um, in like really when you're a kid, that's kind of horrible because there's like spiders and bugs jumping on you and you're in a tent or in the dark and that. But I guess that's that's how I got used to working in developing countries. But but after it, every every mission, my dad would treat us. Uh, we'd go and stay somewhere nice at a nice hotel for three or four days so we could relax mm-hmm. and have the other side balanced. Yeah. So when you were doing that as a young girl, were you, you know, um, it's kind of scary, right? And you, you saw yeah. some things that are, you saw devastation at a young age. How did that affect you? Yeah, you know, because I because I saw that at a young age it, for so long, it, it was just normal to me. Like I, I was very at home in going into developing countries and running around with the little, the, the local children with the bow and arrow or whatever we were doing. So um, that was normal to me. And then I'd get back to Australia and Sydney, and that was kind of a little strange. So it was, it was trying to balance them both, and that's what I do in my in my mission work today. Is it really needs to be a balance? Yeah, I'm out in a tent and I and I am eating rice and beans and it's very hard, hard. But I get, you know, when I got back to New York, I would have my mini pedicure and I'd have a spa day and I do like my five star as well. So it's kind of like a balance of it all. Right. So, you know, just before the show, we were talking about self-care, which is kind of a hot topic. And it's so, you know, it's so very important. I think women sometimes um, feel guilty about taking that time for themselves. Why do you, what would you say to them on, on why it is so important? Well, it's the old cliche about you got to look after yourself before you look after other people, but it's absolutely true. And I'm at fault lately because we've had back-to-back disasters for the last 18 months on American soil. And I'm exhausted at this stage, and I haven't had a mani-pedi for a while, and I got a haircut today. But I, I really need to back off a little bit for a few weeks and really take care of myself a bit more. And, and, and of course, my husband and my dog, they need me. Uh, so um, I, I'm not very good at preaching about that, but it's so important um, that I need to listen to myself a bit more about that too. Yes. Now I want I want the audience to understand you, you founded Third Wave Volunteers and there's over thirty thousand members across six continents. So first yeah. I wanted to do you you must have a team who, who manages uh, much of this. Yes. Um, do you want to tell me, want me to tell how it started or talk about the team? Sure. I mean, I, I was going to, to mention, you know, your experience uh, after the September 11th attacks in New York. And really, that seems to be the catalyst for your um, yeah, for your well, volunteer work. Well, what I learned down there is like I just I raced down a rollerblades. All my friends were, you know, investment bankers in, in New York and everything. And, and so I raced down a rollerblades with a little medical kit and a little camera and stuff. And I knew my friends were in the building. So I knew I could help somehow, you know, I, I didn't know what. And when I got in there, um, it, it was a longer, longer story. Uh, I found other volunteers doing the same thing. And we were just helping and washing out fireman's eyes and collecting bodies in bags and all this, whatever we could do. And then the FEMA, uh, a few days later, the big organization that's supposed to be in charge of disasters kept coming around and saying, look, great job. But time for the professionals to take over we need to leave we just look at them and go okay and then we just keep working because there's so much to be done so on the third day when after telling us to leave telling us to leave they came back and they started to say what they were going to say but then they covered their badges and they said please stay we need you everybody's needed and that became our anthem that everybody's needed because you don't need i mean i'm a witness of tens of thousands of volunteers for 20 years you don't need a master's degree and all that stuff 
need very basic skills. It's like teacher or mum skills because it's like, okay, we've got all these people without homes and food and water. Okay, you go over there. I hate you. Go down to the supermarket, the inland. I saw one an hour inland. Can you get some rice? You know, it's all just organization skills. So um, we created it because we wanted to, everybody to be involved and to know that the disasters are just getting larger and larger and larger with more lives taken, that individuals need to step up and take over because the government can't and, and, the, and the rescue groups can only rescue a certain amount of people. So we, we really need to rise in that position. And that's what Third Wave is about. It's really about no red tape, no bureaucracy, just getting on the ground and helping everybody. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, uh, not having to have expertise, but I will say, you know, in reading your bio, um, you have a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas. Um you know, you're an anthropologist and a doctor, um, a, a paramedic, a filmmaker, a mathematician. So you... Well, I wasn't great at all those things. Like, I, to me, I feel like I have a lot of little skills, but they all add up to do to do what we do. Because because running a tsunami warning center in Asia, I'm not an, a, a tactful oceanographer or even in, in I'm being the ambassador of uh, the environment of, um, of Haiti. I, you know, I'm not an environmentalist arbiter. But what I do is I see a problem go, oh, that needs to get fixed or that needs help. And then I get the experts to surround me to get it done because I really don't know anything about all that stuff. And I, <laughs> but, you know, so it all works together. But I really do have these little skills. Um, and but, but we have medical and non-medical in our organization. Um, so the medical will come in first, search and rescue, and we set up a field hospital on that. But the non-medical are needed. We need someone to dig holes to put the bodies in or to go and um, hand out the water or go and hang out with the kids because there's 10,000 orphans now. Well, there's just jobs for everyone. So IT specialists, I've learned, are one of the most important things out there because communications is the most important thing. So i am started to take IT people, and now I'm learning ham radio because we're getting on the ground and we can't even get sat phones to work. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of all different types of people needed. And um, I really don't have a lot of the big skills. The doctorate, you know, is, is the doctorate of humanities. Um, and that was that was given after 20 years of work of running field hospitals and, and, and anthropology. Uh, that was given to me by Loyola University. So, you know, it's just hard, hard, hard work. But the work is not for a brain surgeon or, you know, someone to do. It's just, I've just seen people with absolutely no skills or anything out there blossoming and doing great stuff. Okay, we're going to, we have to take a break, um, Allison. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Stay tuned for our Leadership and Health Watch. Women to Watch. Leadership Watch. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch. And so excited today to ask you one question. Are you an extraordinary leader? And if you're not sure, then listen closely to what I'm about to share. Extraordinary leaders, you know who they are? They're people like you. They're inspirational leaders. And I have become very passionate over the last probably six to eight months. As a matter of fact, I have now created a program called Extraordinary Leader because so many leaders need to be reminded of what does it mean to be an inspirational leader and an extraordinary leader? And all I'm going to say to you right now in this moment, throw out strategy. You don't need all these books. You know what you need to do? To be an extraordinary leader, you need to embrace being an authentic, transparent leader. You know what your people need from you more than anything? They need empathy. They need to see you possess courage and be brave. They want to follow you. They want to trust you. They look to you for integrity. 
I'm saying all these words because I want you to ask yourself, do you lead with integrity? Do you lead with empathy? Do you have courage to stand up for them? Do you have their back? That is what an inspirational leader does. And I call that extraordinary. I would love to share more about all of the pieces and nuggets that go into being an extraordinary leader. And I'd love for you to reach out to me to hear more about this program at hollydowling.com. And the most important piece to this, and when I say to people, they'll say, you're a motivational speaker. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm an inspirational speaker. And I believe extraordinary leaders are inspirational leaders. Because you see, please listen closely. You cannot motivate people. You can only inspire them to then become self-motivated. So if you are a leader and you're truly leading with empathy, courage, integrity, are you serving others and you're leading from a place of servanthood? And I heard a great quote from John Gordon, if serving others is below you, leadership is beyond you. Reach out to me at hollydowling.com. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Atherosclerosis, a condition in which fatty deposits called plaques build up inside the arteries of the body and lead to decreased blood flow and less oxygen supply. For instance, decreased blood flow to the kidneys can cause kidney disease or high blood pressure. Decreased flow to the brain can cause strokes, and so on. Now, coronary arteries carry blood to the heart muscle. Decreased flow there can cause chest pain called angina. Larger plaques can rupture, leading to a clot and an actual heart attack. Risk factors? You're familiar. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, smoking, obesity, or lack of exercise, or if you have a parent with heart disease before age 50. My friends, heart disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. How can we stay ahead of it? Well, there is a test which your doctor can order which may help you avoid a heart attack. It's called a coronary calcium score. A CAT scan is used. A few quick scans are done, about 10 minutes, but realize there is x-ray exposure. Studies tell us the amount of calcium in the coronary arteries seems to be a marker for atherosclerosis and a better predictor of risk than the standard risk factors. A score of zero, no identifiable plaque, suggests a very low risk. One through 99, mild disease. 100 through 399, moderate disease, and so on. Results are interpreted with a scale that considers age and gender. Now, if you have a very low risk for heart disease, the test probably won't show calcium. And if you have a very high risk, you already know what to do. Stop smoking, lose weight. So don't be exposed to radiation. If you have a middle level risk, the results may lead you to take steps to avoid heart disease, like taking a statin drug to lower your cholesterol or start to exercise. So divas, here's my advice for the season. Don't overcook the turkey, but do get out and burn those holiday calories. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 
Welcome back. I'm speaking this evening with Dr. Allison Thompson. And uh, Allison has just done some incredible humanitarian work and continues to do that all around the globe. I wanted to mention, Allison, the documentary, The Third Wave, uh, which chronicles your volunteer experience in Sri Lanka after the 2004 tsunami. I Tell me what the one lesson you wanted people to walk away with um, from that film. The main thing is, you know, we went off to help for two weeks and we came back years later because there was no one else helping. Yes, there was people, really good orcs working 100 miles that way and 50 miles that way, but there was just so many gaps. So the, the, the message really was that we were four volunteers that went off with not a lot of skills and like we took a, a, a producer and a magician and a chef and, um, you know, a couple of different people with different things. But, but the message really was that you can do it. You don't have to sit and right away to an organization and go off with them. If you get a bunch of friends together, you can go and help. And, and then, you know, of course, we, you know, we can't help everyone because it's just so big. But if you just get your head down and help maybe 10 people or two people or whatever, it always grows much, much, much bigger. And, and that's enough. You know, so that's the message of the film, really to show we show our mistakes and we show things that worked but we just show that we're just human just like you and and we and 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 we did it we we built a whole village and we were just four normal human beings and then and that everybody else could do that as well mm. you know i'm curious to know if you get more women volunteers uh versus ah. men yes um the highest volunteers on the statistics ladder is um, usually women between 34 and around 59. And then it goes down, down, and down, and down, and down, and that. And um, out in the field, you know, we get a lot of men and women, but the women last longer. I don't know if that's because we have baby-making skills or anything, but uh, the men <laughs> seem to fall. They, they work hard and they get, a, you know, they get out there and that, and, and, then, and then they seem to leave earlier. So in the end, we end up with mostly all women or at least 80% women because they, they have this stamina to last longer in the mm. field. Well, you yeah. know, maybe that, that speaks to the, to the uh, phrase that women are just natural-born caretakers, I think. So yeah. the, the desire to be there and do that sustains them. And especially now with what's going on in the world in America, there's so much so much disaster, man-made and natural, and we have in this country ourselves with hatred and all this stuff. I think women in power need to rise back up and cradle the earth and just you know, do something on such like like we've seen with all the women being voted voted in in this last elections. That has, it, we we really need this woman healing power right now. We do absolutely yeah. yes, and yeah. and we're seeing it. You know, you're 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 just such a great example of that. Um, truly, being a leader in in this field. Um, you know, in rebuilding villages and communities hit by disaster, because you've been involved in a lot of the rebuilding and um, starting hospitals, what is your message to the people of those communities um, in order to give them hope and see that, that it will change and get better? The people that have done it, that are in, in the, the victims people, of the disaster? Yes, yes. Um, it's really hard being a disaster. I've always gone off the next day or within 24 hours, but in, in Irma, Hurricane Irma last year, it was hard for me to be in it because five foot of water through our community and our home. We had no electricity. I tore my Achilles the first day. My computer went dead of all of our volunteers and all our contacts. So I, I understand how hard it is inside it. But what it is, is if you're in the disaster, it's just, it's, it's hard 
but but what I've seen the last year on American Soul, it's important that they know that things, you know, this is just stuff. Stuff goes and it comes and it goes and it comes and it will get better and we'll get it back together. But you have each other, you have your family, but also to step up and know that you are needed because you know there's already groups in place in every community that's destroyed. There's a whole plan in place. You have leaders, you have groups and that. And and usually outsiders come in and take over and just try to do everything. But no, those people need to rise up and identify and start to be involved with the whole process because cause it's their community and that's that's the main message. Right. So it's really about empowering them, helping yes. to empower them, right? You know, yes. helping them to understand that they really do have what it takes to be a part of the rebuilding process in these areas. And they really do. And yeah. even volunteers that come overseas with us, they're, they're so scared. Like they have this, this fear. It's a four-letter word and it holds them down like you're in a plane and you've got your safe, safety belt on. But then I say, look, just get your ticket there. You don't like it. Go back the next day and just go back to what you were doing. And nobody ever leaves. And it's like wow. kind of like floating in outer space. That, that, that fear of that safety belt when you're locked down disappears and you just start floating. And you're like, wow, I can do this. I might do a couple extra days. And then a couple extra days turns into weeks or whatever. And wow. it's amazing the liberation of that, of what yeah. it can do to your life in relationships and every other part of your life too. Absolutely. Um, listen, we're going to take another break. When okay. we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about your travels with celebrity types um, who are oh. involved in volunteering and, and what that's like. Stay with us. I'm speaking with Dr. Allison Thompson, founder of The Third Wave. And during the break, you're going to hear our Finance and Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Watch. Finance Watch. This is Maggie Carrado. And this is Terry McDermott. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Financial planning involves a lot more than saving and investing. Today we will talk about protecting your family and assets in the event of premature death and how women underestimate their worth. Life insurance helps to replace lost income. Even if you don't work outside the home or bring in a regular paycheck, your contributions to the family have monetary value. If you weren't here, who would care for your children or family members who depend on you? Having someone else take over these activities could be expensive. When determining the right amount of life insurance you should have, it is important to look at all the contributions you make to your household and family in addition to any earnings. Penn Mutual Life Insurance Company conducted a survey in 2012 about women's perceptions of their worth. The bottom line is that women contribute more to their families than they think they do, and that affects the amount of life insurance they need. This study found that when computing the value of what people actually contribute per year to their household, women contribute twice that of men. By not taking their entire contribution into account, women are putting their loved one's financial security at risk by not having adequate life insurance coverage. Having life insurance through your employer is not enough. Coverage is contingent upon your active employment and is probably based on the amount of your earnings, not on the contributions you make to your family. So what are your next steps? Figure out the annual value of your contributions to your household, those that can be measured in dollars and those that can't. That should be used to determine the amount of life insurance you need. Educate yourselves on the, on the basics of life insurance. We highly encourage you to consult with a trusted financial professional to help educate you on the various life insurance products and evaluate your options to determine the right mix of coverage. You insure your car, your home, and other property. Isn't it at least as important to insure your financial worth to your family? This is Terry. And this is Maggie. And that's your Finance Watch. Peace out. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley-Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. 
Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso, partner and COO of Pathways Consulting Group. Many of you are a parent of a student. Whether they're in elementary, high school, or college, technology can be a distraction, while at the same time have great advantages. When my daughters were in school, electronic devices like cell phones weren't permitted in the classroom. The introduction of laptop-based schools and the growing dependency on devices, laptops, tablets, phones, are being permitted at all different levels, especially at the college level. Many professors have no classroom policies about devices and leave it up to the student. College is hard enough with all the distractions and newfound freedoms, and because the work is harder, some students may experience their first low grades. Now add the distraction of the cell phone. Utilization of this device in the classroom can be the distraction that leads to even lower grades. In the journal Educational Psychology, it was found that students who had cell phones or other types of devices present while a lesson was being taught scored 5% or half a letter grade lower at the end of the semester. Although this may not be the case for every student, it is something to take into consideration. Additionally, with the newfound excitement and distractions of college life, it is becoming increasingly difficult for students to maintain their schedule and develop good study habits. Time management becomes critical and something that needs to be developed and improved over time. This can be overwhelming, especially for the new college student. This is where technology can have its advantages. There are so many new apps for time management out there that can help in this area. My advice is to investigate them. You can research some of the latest apps by Googling Top 10 Time Management Apps for the College Student 2018. You may even find one that works for your busy life. Whether you're a student or not, I believe there's a time and place for technology, as well as ways to improve our hectic lives through technology. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm so grateful this evening to have with me Dr. Allison Thompson. She's calling me from her home in Florida. She's a global humanitarian, and, and she has just, gosh, been all around the world and seen some of the toughest things, um, but seems to help in a very humble 
um, and simple way. I wanted to talk about in 2010, you you flew to Haiti uh, with actor Sean Penn and 10 other doctors to help after the earthquake there. Just out of curiosity, I wanted to know, you know, what is it like working with such high profile celebrities like Sean? Um, It's complicated, but it works. I, I don't do it all the time. It's like here or there. And then you've got people like Sean Penn who are really the real deal and get in. And he, he'd had the experience in New Orleans. And he was like, he just jumped on a boat and he ended up going out and helping about 30 or 40 people get out of their buildings who, who, they, who were on the roof. So he had that feeling. And then he saw our documentary. He's like, I want to I do that. I want to do it on a bit bigger scale. So when he came to Haiti, he got down and dirty and didn't even hardly ever slept. And he slept out on the ground. And then he would race all the kids that were dying to hospital. And he works so hard. So you've got those ones that are the real legit, but then you've got the ones that just fly in for the photo op because all every you know all the celebs are told you you need to do fantasy and look good. So those ones drive me nuts because everybody leaves their homes and goes out to meet the celebrity, and then someone goes and robs their homes. You know things like that go on. But then I've come full circle because even the ones that come in for the photo op for an hour that goes into twenty thousand magazines around the world, and all these people see it, and then they start writing to us again. Oh, do you need help in Haiti? I, I wasn't on the news. I didn't know they still needed money. I'm like, yeah because the rebuilding is 10 to 20 years and on the news it's two, three weeks. So that actually helps us. So even though some of them drive me nuts and, um, <laughs> and they have all their special needs, and stuff, right. yeah. it's, it's worth it. It's um, awareness, it's, yeah. It's, yeah it's People follow, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. yeah. Let's. There's two organizations that you're involved with. One is um, We Advance, which you co-founded um, mm-hmm. during your time in Haiti. Talk talk a little bit about that organization and what exactly is being done there. Okay. Well, we were at a at a, um, a, a, a ruined golf course where. At that stage, 80,000 people had moved on to and they had no homes. They were living under sheets. But we were actually camping at the top of the camp. And every night we would hear, when we were trying to go to sleep, a woman screaming up in the mountain far, far away and then drunken men laughing. And and we knew what was going on. We knew that women were being raped. We were here every night and there was nothing we could do. Mm-hmm. So I was there with Maria Bello. She's an actress. And, and, and we started talking and we're like, let's, let's, after we finish the refugee camp, let's start to work on women's issues and start up um, a little clinic where we can really care for raped women and children. And, and that, and that's what we ended up doing. And, and it's, um, you know, it, it, it helps. It's women's issues. It's gender-based violence. And it's all about empowering women to rise up and, and also to rise up in power as well. Like we've, we've helped a lot of people, you know, um, be voted into positions over there. So it's, it's a lot of different things, but it's all about helping women and bringing them, elevating them up because, um, you know, it's, it was, it's very normal in Haiti for, for women to be abused and raped. Well, it's, you know, I, I often, like yeah, I often think about the, it's such an overwhelming, um, problem. And I think so often about we, we're doing a lot to empower women and, and help women find their voice. But there really needs to be a change in the culture um, of the men in these yeah. places as yeah. well. You know, how, if anything, can be done? What can be done towards that? Well, this, is, um, this is what we did. It was, it was small, but it, it, it helped some people. We would, um, next to the little clinic, we would have English classes for like 20, 30-year-olds that never got to go to school or anything. And as they were learning English, we'd show them gender-based violence examples, like when Rihanna was abused and everything. And then on the wall, they would write letters. And men would write these letters. You can read them. And it says, I, before I did this course, I used to beat my wife four times a week, but now I've learned it's wrong. I haven't beat her in three months or, or raped or something like that. There's these heartbreaking letters. And then so 
so they're learning for their new generations they can teach. But all they have seen in the past is their, their father and their grandfather's abuse and rape. So they didn't know it was wrong. These are small, small villages, you know, and and it's not like they, they don't have the education system that we have that we, we learn. So um, that's, that's a little way we're, we're doing uh, to sort of combat it. I guess, yes, every little, uh, you know, every single person changed yeah. is making a difference. Can I add to that? Also, you sure can. It's not about us all burning bras and running around just being women's feminists. No. It's not just that. We need the men to join us and say, no, we're going we're gonna to push the rapists out of the village. We stand together as a man and woman, and this is not acceptable. So it's about us working, you know, because um, we need them. We yeah. need them. We need them with us. Absolutely. Um if you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Dr. Allison Thompson, uh, founder of the Third Wave and a global humanitarian. What, a question I love to ask um, is, you know, what keeps you up at night? And in your case, I, I thought to myself, gosh, is, <laughs> with what you see Maybe. and what you do, um, is there anything that keeps you up at night? And, and my guess is it's going yes. to be around, you know, funding the work that you do and, and how you can make more of a difference. But There's two things that keep me up at night. Yes, the funding part, because I'm out in the field working like, you know, full time. So it's really hard to be out in the field and then come home and try to raise the money. And we're in Puerto Rico a year after the after the after that um, disaster. So, you know, I was on Facebook trying to get $15 a pop to give solar lights all through the mountains and everything. But we need to go to that next stage of corporate sponsors and, and grants. And I've just started doing that. But if there's any angels out there that want to join Third Wave Volunteers, we've got 20 years experience and we just need that next level to be sponsorship so I can really focus on the work in the field. But the other thing that's bothering me is we're about love. That's our first message, love. We give them a hug, we look them in the eye and then they, we, we don't let them get out of the hug and then they usually break down and start crying and that's a special mm. special moment mm. we're unconditional love and the work has been seen refugees and black lives matter and environment and that but with the new political scene that's happened here in the last two years my heart is broken you know um there's a lot of abuse going on with the environment and with immigrants and all of this and and that keeps me up at night because uh, my heart is so full of love and i i, I i'm i so believe in that but i've had hate in my heart and and because, this, you know, like the hatred in this country of people against each other, I've just never seen anything mm-hmm. like it. And so that keeps me up at night, oh, too, yeah. because it's just so shocking to me. Yeah. Listen, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the Billion Women Rising and, and how we might be able to help you uh, in the work that you're doing. Stay with oh, us for you. our Diversity Watch with Hanadi. We'll be right back. This is the Women to Watch Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment here. Plagiarism is the act of claiming someone else's intellectual property or words. It's an illegal act. People would think twice before copying someone else's work, though not so much when it comes to someone else's idea or initiatives. We see this a lot at work, where employees hijack other employees' efforts or claim initiatives that are not theirs in the first place. Attributing efforts to their owners is today's prophetic ethic. Whether it's somebody that advanced your career, a caregiver that took care of you when you were young, or a mentor that nurtured your talent, you simply owe it to them. Any failure to acknowledge other people's efforts is devaluing the gratitude you owe them. Quote, give full measure and weight and do not diminish to people their things. End quote, says the verse in chapter 7 in the Quran. 
One form of devaluing is, for example, telling people that they do not deserve to charge a certain amount of money for a service or a product. It can also be adding deliverables to a list that didn't contain them initially, no matter how minute these are. The proper action would be to ask as if this is a new request. Then it becomes the choice of the person providing the service to add it to the previous list or not. This behavior is most evident when people are not on good terms. They build on their feelings to put their opponent's efforts down or devalue their initiatives. Imagine a world where people are still fair with one another even though they disagree and attribute efforts when efforts are due regardless of situations. We often stop and consider legal measures. We think and rethink and proceed with safety and caution when there are legal liabilities. Let's make those measure internal. Let's stop and carefully consider our ethical values before anything else. If you like what you hear, connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Allison, let's uh, let's talk about the work that you're doing right now uh, in the panhandle and um, what is needed there. I've seen it all in 20 years, but, um, you know, in the last 30 years on American soil, this is the largest disaster that I've seen. It's shocking. It's like an atomic bomb has just exploded everything. And it's so much work and it's getting cold up there now. It's like 39 degrees. And so there are veterans, so many war veterans who are in their 80s and 90s uh, with no roofs on, on their houses and just sitting in freezing and rain and everything. It's just so shocking. Every time I get back up, I go back up every week and it's like every direction I look, there's so much need and help. So we just need people to know that it's not on the news anymore. It's, it's you know, that goes off in a few weeks, but this disaster needs attention. I know the California fires is really tragic too. And we have a lot of volunteers out there, but the Florida Panhandle still needs help and volunteers or corporate sponsors or anything, because it's just so much work to be done there. What is, what's the, if someone's listening and wants to reach out, what is the best way to do that? Well, I answer all the emails. So you can write to me at thirdwayvolunteers.com, third as in T-H-I-R-D, mm-hmm. wave, W-A-V-E. So it's www.thirdwayvolunteers.com. Okay. Write to me in, in, in any way you can help, even if you can just reshare things on the computer. You don't have to actually come out on the mission. There's so much to do right in your own home if you've got four kids. You can help us. But just write to me, and I'll write back. I'll write back right away or as soon as I get back from the mission a week later. But I will answer you. So it's, it's a way to, for everybody to get involved. It doesn't matter if it's an hour or what. Uh, we need you. You know, so one of the things I think people get um, stuck on is the overwhelming need, plus, you know, having the ability to see what's happening all around the world because of technology. And so the overwhelm keeps people from, um, you know, helping. How do you prioritize where and when 
Yeah. You know, to, to help and volunteer. I think about this a lot because sometimes when you go to a disaster, it's just so big or overwhelmed and they're like, but they need help and they need help and they need blah, blah, blah. And you're just yeah. so, you can't even You're move. spinning, you're right. Yes. So what I just do is I got to keep my head down. Like for the 2004 tsunami, there were four of us volunteers to start and we found a village. There was only 3,000 people in the village and there's four of us. But every time we went back to the guest house, there's people all along the road that need help. And we just had to say, no, we cannot help everyone. We're not... We're not superheroes. We're just human. We can help the people in front of us, and that's enough. And we have to, I'd have to keep saying that, even going to the panhandle. There's so many people that need help, but, okay, we're going to clean up this veteran's house all day Saturday, and that's enough. I know that's not a 1,000 people, but that's enough in that person's life, you know. So that's what you have to, you have to keep coming down to, and, 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 it, and it works. It really does. Yeah. And people blossom when they get out there. They, you know, you, I, just, I just learned how to do a chainsaw on the last trip, and now I'm, I'm chainsaw queen, and I'm going through <laughs> Or cutting up all the dead trees and that is so much oh fun. Oh my gosh. You are yeah. so you are so strong physically. I mean, I just uh, I'm in awe of you for that, and I think that's something that uh, women are a little bit afraid of when they look at um, the, these areas and how they'll be living. Um, yeah. Do, do you think you you learned that at a young age? I guess. Yeah, and I did a lot of sports, but um, I've come to this new level of I'm going through menopause I'm I'm kind of getting on the other side of it and someone told me that you won't put up with BS or anything and and, and everything changes and then I'm like oh yeah sure I'm just going to be the same person no I've got all this (laughs) new energy I'm not putting up with BS from anyone I'm like you go over there you go over there I'm this whole new person so it's something (laughs) to look forward to through menopause (laughs) you know I want to know if you are a spiritual person and what helps you remain hopeful Absolutely. Um, I have a deep faith in God. I don't push religion on anyone out in the field. It's, it's all about love in action because that's what, that's what it's about. It's about just loving everyone. So I don't mention anything about it. I don't even like the word religion because it's, to me it's wars and hypocrisy and judging and everything. So I just, I'm spiritual. I do believe in a higher power. And out in the field, I just love and show love in action. And that's, that's, that's my religion. It's the love mm, in action part. Yeah. And that's, that's it. And that's enough, um, you know, because people see that and they go and then they start saying, well, they want to know more about, what, you know, my ideology or whatever. But I've just really learned. Uh, I've, I've been a bit upset lately, of, you know, about people in the church of the four walls. I think we've got to get out of the four walls and get out in the field and that mm. and just love people because I've been upset about all the judgmental and wanting to put walls and borders and stop really suffering immigrants and stuff. So um, for me, it's just I, I'm spiritual and that's where my love comes from, some some sort of higher power. But but in our organization, we, we have everybody. We have, we have, you know, war veterans, we have LBGT, we have just, and we accept everyone, and, yeah. that, and that's what it's about. Tell me, tell me who inspires you. Who inspires me? My husband inspires me. <laughs> He's the only one that has, in my whole life, couldn't really put up with what I do, and I, I leave, and I come back, and I leave, and he just lifts me up. Um, uh, Un Sung Sung Shi, Democratic leader of Burma, I had a relationship with her, and she really inspired me throughout the years. But I'm just having a bit of struggle with that, you know, with the Rohingya refugees and how she's turned her back on them. Um, and also Mother Teresa from a young age. I met her when I was younger, and just how she would get on the street and get down with the poorest leper or, or, or someone so dirty and disgusting and look them in the eye, and she just wanted to beam them love because that might be the only time in her life that they saw love. So that part of her, that unconditional love, really inspired who I am today. Mm-hmm. And my mom. My mom was unconditional love. Oh, so, y- you know, you yeah. mentioned Mother Teresa, and I 
I learned later in life, um, and you probably read this as well, she kept a journal and she talked about um, her depression. And here's a woman who, you know, devoted her entire life to helping others, and yet she was quietly um, suffering herself. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yes. And that was, it was very surprising to me. And I thought, gosh, you know, again, people whose work centers around really just giving to others. um, How do you, um, how do you not give up? How do you, you know, I asked you this, how do you remain hopeful? Maybe that's not the, the best question, but what? Well, you know what? We're only here for like, are we here for 60 years, 80 years, or we can die tomorrow. I've seen people just die. Like, you right. know, World Trade not Center, a long boom. time. That's right. Boom. That's right. So we don't have a lot of time. So there's only this bit of time to fill. We're going to just go and just do nothing and just just be selfish or do whatever. Like, no. And and the true happiness comes from deep inside. It's not the plastic surgery or the stuff on the outside. We all know that. It's you truly out there in the field helping you come home and you just feel great. And that mm. that oodles into your workplace and your relationships and everything else. And it just works. So I just, I keep hope. And it was hard in Haiti. And it's hard, hard in Haiti to have hope when there's just, she just wasn't around. But, but there's always hope in the smallest thing. And every new day brings something new. So there, there really, there really is hope out there. And, and I just keep that positive thing and and also I keep living my life in the present I'm here with friends having lunch I'm over there I'm doing this oh tomorrow I'm with a rape victim but I don't think too far in the past and drag all the past or too far in the future I'm really being present Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what my life's about and that really works well I I love that you know and I I'm so appreciative of your being in the moment with me here um, today sharing a little bit about your story and we'll be sure to share with our audience um, your contact information for third wave volunteers thank you and and you can give people my email if they if they contact I will I absolutely will well listen good luck with your your trip tomorrow and we'll be staying in touch Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A big shout out and thank you to our sponsors and watch team contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.